0: Hello, there we go. Sorry, (laughs) accidentally hit the wrong button. So, Uh, I was giving the sound guy a heart attack, going like, "What happened?" No, sorry. Uh, Hey, it is such a treat to be with you guys today. Uh, It was, uh, man, it's like old home week. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of fun. So, we're driving into town and uh, drove the kids by our old house and. it looked a lot bigger when I was younger, I'll say that, you know, though even the whole, the neighborhood, driving around the neighborhood, and so we, we were, I mean we were about, I don't know, what two blocks from where um, Brent's house is, and I mean, it was back in the day where it was like, okay, I would go out and ride my bike, you know, around the neighborhood, and I was out until I heard my sister whistle, you know, and then if I heard the whistle, it was time to go home, you know, so it was, it was kind of a different day, and uh, it was kind of, it was fun. Crete is a uh, is a wonderful town uh, to grow up in. I, uh, I always, I always am proud that uh, that I grew up. Anyway, I have fond memories of Crete. It's changed a lot. There wasn't, I think, the only fast food restaurants was a, a Runza and a Godfather's back then. Who remembers Godfather's? There's still Godfather's. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. So yeah. Uh. My wife. Uh. Told you about us. Um. I. Am an engineer by education. Uh, that means I, I, do, I do think in numbers. I'm a weird engineer in that I'd, I'd prefer to hang around with people, but I was a weird pastor because I thought in terms of numbers. so anyway, it was I don't know, kind of not fitting in certain places. But well we've lived the last uh, last three years in Amman, Jordan where we learned Arabic and interacted uh, with our neighbors do just have to say at the beginning, like Brent said, it's been a hard week uh, with, with the news coming out of, of Palestine, and honestly, we lived in a neighborhood of Palestinians, and we lived in a neighborhood of Palestinians that would still tell you what town they were from in Palestine. Their, their parents were the ones that had to relocate in 1967 or 1948. And so our hearts just break, and so we have friends that send us messages from Gaza. And so, um, you know, the thing is, is that there's no there's no winners. You know, our hearts break for the 1,500 Jews that were killed in the attack by Hamas, and our hearts break for the over 2,000 Gazans that have died so far in the in the aftermath. And so I would just say, just just pray, you know, pray for pray for the people. My father-in-law reminded me in World War II. Of all the deaths, there were more civilian deaths in World War II than there were military deaths. So it's the civilians, it's the women, it's the children, it's the, the, those are the ones who suffer. So pray for them. Thank you. All right, now I want to kind of run through a little bit about um, what we do. So we're a part of a movement called Live Dead, and Live Dead focuses on, Planting churches among unreached people to groups while working in teams. And so we focus on uh, this area, this niche, if you will, called unreached people groups. And I'll walk you through, I want to walk you through what that means. All right. So let's imagine, if you will, for a minute, the world. Go ahead and put that first slide up there, Chris. We have the world and it is, there are about 7 billion people in the world right now. That's a lot of people, two, uh, and so uh, there are about ten percent of that are evangelical Christians, seven hundred and fifty million or so. Um, and so evangelical Christians are defined by three main belief points. First of all, they believe in the uh, priority of scripture and the authority of God's of scripture. They believe, Uh, in, uh, being born again, where Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And they believe in the priority of sharing the gospel of evangelizing those people around them of that. God's message is important enough that we need to share with our neighbors. Those are the three main things that set evangelicals apart. Um, and so there are evangelicals that are, I would hope this church considers itself, that if you're here, that you're part of the evangelical movement, that it's important enough to share. And there are evangelicals throughout lots of different denominations of Christianity. Now, let's make that a little bit bigger, all right? The next circle out would be just Christians in general. So where we would say there's about a third of the world call themselves Christians, okay? where they And this could be anywhere from Catholic, Presbyterian. Uh, Assemblies of God are non-denominational, or if you ask them, they say, hey, I'm a Christian. That's about one-third of the world, 2.4 billion people or so. Um, And then, uh, outside of that circle, just stay here for a second, is the lost, okay? There are lost people in Saline County. There's lost people in Lincoln, Nebraska, Missouri, and... The Middle East. So those are people who are not Christians, and those that we and as, as Christians, we believe it's our responsibility and our duty and our mandate uh, from the Lord to reach the lost and to share the gospel with lost people. Now, within the lost people, we're going to break it up into another group. All right, go ahead and go to that next slide. There is uh, people that are lost that we would say are within our reach. Okay, these are people that are maybe within your circles. The people you work with, the people you go to school with, that you live next to, they interact with Christians on a regular basis. And so as Christians, we want to invite them to church. We want to invite them to Wednesday night programs. We want to invite them to our Bible studies just to have a conversation. Or maybe you pray with them. You hear, hey, life's not going really well right now. I'm a Christian. Can I pray with you? Because God wants to help you in your situation we have a responsibility to help those people that are within our circles of where we are. Outside of that, go to that next slide, these are people that are, we, we would say they are unreached, which means that there are not a significant number of Christians in their circles. That number right now is that, for instance, if there's a, a country or that has less than 2% Christians, we would say that they are unreached, that there's not enough Christians within within that area, within that uh, nation in order to effectively evangelize and to reach the people uh, in that group. And then if you go outside, I'll go one more, then these would even be where y- we would say, some people call them frontier people groups. I'll go back one. Is there one more? Go back one slide. Okay. Then there's even another group, I I must have left that slide out, another group where they're frontier, where there is less than 0.1% Christians within that group, and we would call those even unengaged, where there hasn't even been people to really share the gospel with those people, and there is basically no Christian presence within those cultures, all right? Now, that is the world, okay? So we have that picture and that paradigm, kind of understanding the groups that I'm talking about. Now, if you haven't noticed... The world isn't evenly distributed, okay, from a mathematical context, right? There's more people living, for instance, in, you know, New York City than in Nebraska, okay? There's more, and it's not evenly, it's not distributed. There's more Nebraskans living in Nebraska, all right, than there are Nebraskans living in New York. So uh, put that next slide up there. We're going to divide the world up into some of the main categories of where people live and kind of proportionately put the populations out there so we have India we have Muslim majority countries we have other Asian countries so your Southeast Asia and uh, maybe uh, like Japan and uh, the Pacific I'm sorry Pacific is another area we have China we have non-Muslim Africa this is uh, central and southern Africa Europe and North America and Latin America that we're gonna divide these into these population groups now let's put the Christians up there where do the Christians live Christians live mostly in Latin America, North America, Europe, and non-Muslim Africa. And you can see proportionately the number of evangelical Christians versus also other Christians as well. Now, I'll admit, honestly, one of the challenging parts right now is that Brent is well aware of is that there is a trend within America of fewer and fewer people to identify as Christians, of There's fewer people that say, hey, I go to church, I'm a Christian. That that number is shrinking. Kay. So um, I understand the challenges that we have, the response that we have to continue to be shining light uh, here within America. But I want to point out, if you look, most of the people that are lost in the gray area are in areas such as China, other Asia, Muslim majority, and within India. Okay. Now, one more lens. Let's see what the green looks like. These are the people that are within the reach of similar cultures of the Christians. And you can see we have green areas in where the Christians are. And what's huge to me is China, that that the proportion of Christians that are evangelical in China is just a huge proportion. And it's quite inspiring because they have taken it upon themselves to reach their culture. China is becoming Christian quickly, the, even to the point where they're saying even 10,000 New believers a day. They're saying by 2030 that there could be a billion Chinese Christians. Is that, hang on, that's not right. I'm misremembering that number. I don't want to. Sorry, by 2030, I, I apologize, 2030 the church in China will outgrow America. 2030, there'll be more Christians in China than are in America. And by 2060, they're saying that China could be half Christian. And that's chalked up to, first of all, the work of frontier missionaries years ago that went there that saw the need, and also to the Chinese believers owning and taking the gospel to their own culture. And that's where you see that growth is in that green area right there. But what we do see is that of the lost people, Half of them are still remaining. Half of them are outside of these near culture areas. They don't interact. They're not in the circles with believers. Put, the, put that next slide up there, Chris. So we see these are UPGs. So half of all lost people are within UPGs. They're in unreached people groups, which means they don't interact with Christians. They're in circles where they don't meet Christians. We would regularly talk with people in Jordan where we say, hey, do you know a Christian and they'd be like, oh, <sighs> wow, um, I think we used to live next door to one, but I'm not sure. And so I- it's just an op- it's just a, a pretty sobering reality that when we're talking with people that. This is the opportunity that they have to interact with a person that knows Jesus and can tell them the gospel story. And so when we talk about planting churches among, un- among unreached people groups, these are the areas that we think of. That, yes, we understand that there's lost people in Crete, and we absolutely want them to know when to come to Jesus, but we also want to be the kind of people that's willing to go to where there isn't access to the gospel. There aren't Christian radio stations. There aren't Christian television stations. There aren't Christian bookstores with books filled with explaining people Explaining to people how to become a Christian or what it means to become a Christian or how to live like a Christian, and so this is this is where we want to go. Now, I think do I have th- one more slide up there? Yeah. So this is what I was talking about when you talk about the areas with less than point 0.1 percent Christians. That means that out of a thousand people, less than one of those thousand people are Christians. And so these are the areas that are that that people that we still want to see inroads. We want to see churches planted in these areas. That's what LIVDA does and that's what we, f- we focus on. And so we're going to be going uh, to the Middle East and we're going to be working to uh, teach, train, and mentor new workers who come uh, to Egypt, to Cairo, and to, uh, to train them in what it looks like to live and serve in the Middle East and to plant churches in these areas so that there can be a a gospel presence there can be gospel access for people Um, let's talk about let's talk about cairo for a minute chris you have a picture of cairo up there cairo egypt uh anyone been to cairo i just thought i'd ask anyone want to go to cairo come visit us we would take yeah we would take visitors we want you to come to cairo Uh, Cairo and sort of the metro area has 22 million people. I mean, just think about that number. 22 million people in Cairo. That is more people, that's more people than in the states of Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota. There's more people in Cairo than in all of those states. In Saline County, do you know how many people live in Celine County? Just under 15,000. There's a population density in Celine County. Cam- I looked this up, all right, uh, of 25 people per square mile. So for every square mile, you've got about 25 people living. In Cairo, okay, Cairo, Egypt, population density, 117,000 people per square mile. Oh my <laughs> And it's an area roughly twice the size of Saline County. 22 million people, twice the size of Saline County. You can't swing a stick without finding a lost person in, uh, in Cairo. Every year, Cairo grows by 400,000 people. 90% of them are Muslim. So every year, there's a 1,000 Muslim babies born. So even if, as Christians, even if as Christians, we have a thousand people convert to Christ every I'm sorry, there's a1,000 ba- Muslim babies every day. even if we have a thousand people convert every day, we're still only stemming the tide. We're still only keeping pace with the birth rate. So what's the answer? Our answer is planting churches that plant churches, that plant churches. And so we want to have churches led by uh, Muslim, f- Muslim believers that are pe- believers that used to be Muslim and that have a heart for reaching their culture so then they can reach out to their neighbors and so then we have a geometric growth and believing and trusting God to, to, reach, to reach the culture for Christ. It's not about us and that's a good thing because we can't do much but what we can do, we have a responsibility to do, is to share. Now, as we, I want to ask you a question. We do a lot of road trips, uh, a lot of driving. We had a lot of, we had five kids. Anyone know, take kids on a road trip? Kids get bored? We, we had a game, we've, we've had a game that we've started to play, and it's called Pancake or Waffle. Have you heard of this game? Where you, okay, so you start off with, you say, it's like 20 questions, all right? So you think of something. And so maybe you're thinking of uh, a coffee cup Brent's coffee cup here, all right? I'm thinking of a coffee cup. And the first question is, pancake or waffle? And so you have to say, okay, is the coffee cup more, you have to think in your head, all right? Is the coffee cup more like a pancake or like a waffle? You're like, all right, well, it's kind of got a dip in it. Uh, I'll I'll say it's like a waffle. So then you say, eh, it's like a waffle. And so then the next person who's guessing, they say, okay, uh, T-shirt or waffle. So then they go on from there as to whether you guess. You have two options. It's basically you're going through the guess. So you all, all you have to pick from is two options, but it's kind of fun You You're trying to decide what, and you eventually get to the point where you land on the object. It's great for kids, all right? It can last a half hour on one item, all right, and you're racking their brain. So anyway, it's a lot of fun. Are people more like pancakes or like waffles? What do you think? What do you think? If I just said people, you know, what are people like? Are people more like pancakes or like waffles? I don't know. Well, it's kind of like the skin. You know, I'm like, oh, my skin's kind of flat. It could be a pancake. I don't know. But I would say, honestly, people, they're more like waffles, all right, people like to congregate in their groups. People like to get together. People like to create affinity groups. They gather in circles, all right? You hang out, whether it's bowling night or whether it's your cycling club or whether it's hanging out with a soccer team or whether you're watching football game for the Huskers to see them maybe, hopefully, win, okay? People gather together in groups, and the story I want to share with you in Scripture is it talks a little bit about like that. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. I'm sorry, I don't have the slides for you on the screen. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown When they heard these things, all the synag- all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down from the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. See, Jesus was speaking in his hometown. People are saying nice things about him. I hope my sermon ends up a little bit better than Jesus' is here, all right? So I got to admit, but... Um, Jesus is returning back to his hometown and he had been teaching in other areas around Nazareth and people had heard about him, heard about his teaching, heard about him even performing miracles. And they were very expectant. And he came and he gave a sermon and he he talked about Isaiah and how he had come to fulfill the messianic prophecy in the prophet Isaiah. And, uh, it didn't say necessarily that he was pre- prepared, that he had done miracles, but it was pretty obvious that the, the crowd expected him to do miracles. They were expecting him to, uh, to be, uh, I don't know, they were there for a show, all right? They were there uh, expecting to hear something kind of pretty cool. And when they heard Jesus teach, they were even kind of hoping that maybe Jesus would be willing to sort of set up shop there in Nazareth and become their hometown hero. And they said, Jesus points out, he's like, you probably want me to do something like I did in the other towns here. You know, if he was teaching in Capernaum and did a miracle in Capernaum, they expected him to do that same miracle here. Do that here in your hometown. Do that here among your people. Do that here among the area you grew up in. This is your folks. See, they're looking at their circle. They're looking at their waffle. They're saying, hey, Jesus, our waffle here needs syrup. Don't put more syrup in that container next to us. Put it all right here in our space. So Jesus, in that way, he wants to confront them on their attitudes of saying, you know what? their attitudes is we deserve this. You need to give priority to your people. And Jesus is going to confront this attitude and he confronts it in a way that to be honest, he doesn't just step on toes, he chooses to be very offensive. And he points out he points out a Bible story to them that really offends them. Let's look back at verse 25. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath. That's in Lebanon. To a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, but none of them were cleansed, only Naaman from Syria. He wasn't just from Syria. He was a general for the king that was the sworn enemy of Israel at the time. So here Jesus uses two stories. He uses a story where he's saying, hey, not only did God bless this Lebanese woman, but he chose not to bless any of the Jewish widows there as well. Oh, and he, here's another story where God could have healed other lepers within Israel, within your circle, but He chose to heal a leper of your enemy. That's really challenging. We we like our we like our circles. We like our group. We like the people that we're in, but Jesus chooses instead call out a situation where God healed people outside of our circle. So what's the people's response? When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down from the cliff. Went from being a really receptive crowd to being a really hostile crowd really quick see sometimes we get we get upset when we're when we're told to care about people outside of our circle and so why do we care here's what i want here's what i want you to take with today we talk a lot about people groups and uh, those, these are affinity groups that are uh, cultural boundaries that are related to language, they're related to culture, they're related to your country. So you have a lot of different people groups. And I would say today that Christians should be willing to cross over any boundaries that exist when they see people that need the gospel. Now you may not... You may not feel called to go to Egypt. You may not feel called to go to the Middle East or to India or to China. But I would bet there are boundaries in your life that you see people, that you see lost people on the other side of a boundary that you need to cross. It could be your property line. It could be that property line that divides your house from the people next door that there's a boundary there, and you're like, well, they're not my kind of people, so I'm going to not share with them. Honestly, sometimes, in I, we've, I've been guilty of this, where you see someone new in church, and uh, they're in a different row, all right? And you don't even want to cross over to a different row to say hi to them. I was talking with my grandma one time. And she was telling me about uh, a new teacher in the school. My, oh my mom, my grandma lived in, a, in Greeley, Nebraska, a town of 230-some people. And she was telling me about this new teacher and how she just didn't, this new teacher didn't quite get what it was like living in Greeley. And I asked my grandma, I said, Grandma, how long has that teacher been there? She said, 12 years. See, Nebraskans are really nice, I always say, but it doesn't mean that we like you. (laughs) I think as Christians, though, we need to be willing to cross over whatever boundary that is. If that person is wearing different clothes than us, if that person's eating different food than us, if that person's speaking a different language than us, if that person is totally different if they're outside of our circle and we have nothing in common. For the sake of the gospel, we need to be willing to be people that will cross over any boundary or fence or chair or obstacle to take the gospel to them. Because people love their groups, but we have to make it more about people than about groups. At the end of the day, it's about people. And that's what Jesus was talking about here, is Jesus is saying, hey, you can want me to stay here And to minister to your little circle, but his mission was bigger. His mission was to people. It wasn't to just minister to Nazarenes, he wanted to minister to people. And so, again and again and again, Jesus is breaking down boundaries. And I honestly kind of think, even in Acts chapter 2, where Jesus is telling the disciples, hey, stay in Jerusalem and then go to Samaria, or go to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth what if it Jesus is just pointing out the boundaries that his disciples are going to have to jump over in order to take the gospel to other places? What if it, it, it's not about limiting where the gospel goes, it's about explaining boundaries that they have to jump over? Brent, I got I don't know how to end this. I don't know how to land this plane. So I guess at the end of the day, here's here's, what, here's our heart. We want to be about people. We want to love people. I, I'd again and again, in Jordan, we would have to sit and talk with people that are from a totally different background than us and have nothing in common with us. But for the sake of the gospel, we would want to sit and ask questions and learn and pray for opportunities to share Jesus with them. And you know what? God's faithful. And so if you will be patient and if you will make your life about people, I promise you'll have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. Thank you so much.
1: Amen. Thanks, Jeff. Challenging message. And I just appreciate... um, them and their family and your kids have been involved even with you going um how many are actually going to go back with you plan to go back with you just one yeah but a few of them have been over in jordan yes um they're going into places that we a s- lot of us would be afraid to go or maybe fearful to go or just maybe wouldn't want to go we don't want to cross that boundary and, uh, and they're going um so one, I want us to support them. We'll be taking up an offering for them in a little bit. We do support them on a monthly basis. We're going to continue to do that. But um, today, they, we just, they need to kind of get their cash budget up. And so if um, you're able to give, I just say give as generously as you sense God leading on your heart. Um, that's one. But we also just want to pray for them just for favor and that they get their support raised so that they can do what God's called them to do. The harvest is great and workers are few. Um, But I want to also just pray for us. Pray for us because um, I know too often we don't want to cross those boundaries that Jeff was talking about. And uh, we can have them here in our own neighborhood. Uh, We can have them when we travel or even just in our thought. How do we pray for our world right now? I think we need to be praying for the Jewish people because there's so many of them that are without Christ. We need to be praying for the Palestinian people because right now they're listening, some of them are listening to the wrong voice and they need to hear the message of Christ. Amen. Um, Amen. So um, maybe God, maybe there's somebody even here that just says God's calling me. You guys kind of had your life planned out, you know, and, and all life, and all of a sudden God spoke. And that's huge. That's, that's a huge step to take. It's a huge step to take. Um, and maybe God is speaking to a young person or even adult here today. Um, God has to call. Amen. And so, Jeff, I'm going to invite you back. Would you just pray? Um, would you just pray over our people? Maybe that call they don't know Christ, but also then just that call to hear God's voice leading.
0: Lord, just thank you so much that you are here. Lord, I pray for uh, the people that that are maybe here and and hearing uh, what I'm saying and they want to know more about you. Lord, I pray that they would uh, they would look for Christians that they know in their life to, to ask them more questions and to, to just to investigate and to see what it looks like to follow after you to find out more about about you and your life and how you lived and died for us. And Lord, I pray for, I pray for the Christians that are here. I pray for the believers that hear what I'm saying and I pray God that you would um, you would give them opportunities in their life this next week to cross over a boundary. That they Lord, I pray for that tension they would feel where they would see people that need, they need a hand, they need a greeting, they need a smile. Lord, I pray for opportunities for people to be uncomfortable. I pray, God, that you would... Uh, you would prompt them in a way that is uh, challenging and yet doable where they see the opportunity and God I pray that you would be faithful that as they take that step out as they take that step of faith to say hi to people, to serve people, to, to show your love to people that they can do it in a spirit and an attitude to point to you to be salt and light in their, in their workplace in their schools, in their homes Lord and Lord we just thank you God, it's not about us. It's all about you, Lord.
1: In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Jeff. I'm going to invite the ushers to make their way back. Are you guys prepared? Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, praise God. Just spending time with uh, Jeff on the missions bike ride and uh, just talking. So much of their ministry is just... They're embedded with the people, living with the people. I call that incarnational ministry. That's what Jesus did. He came. He lived amongst us. He clothed on flesh, and he lived amongst us, right? He experienced pain, suffering. He experienced what we experience, but the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, and, and that's what that's what they're doing. They're going to people that haven't seen Christ, and so through their lives they get to... People get to see, oh, that's what a Christian is. And, uh, you know, that just doesn't happen where they're at. It happens right here in Crete, Nebraska. Um, I just look at our congregation today. When we came here 18 years ago, there wasn't just a small group. And Amy and I were the only ones that lived in Crete. Right? And, um, amen. Father, this morning... Uh, just take this. We just want to be a blessed. We want to further the gospel. So take it, multiply, use it for your glory and honor.
0: He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered
1: the grave the grave. Oh he conquered the grave.
0: Jesus conquered the
1: grave. Amen. You know you were mentioning some of those numbers, Jeff, and it is like a mountain, isn't it? Kind of like it's kinda like wow, there's just this huge mountain there. There's so many in some countries just the Christian witness is so small you know I think in China that's the way it was but then uh, there was a small work there before communism came in and it just kept rolling and even amidst the midst of communism the churches continue to grow um, that can happen in other places too it can happen here it can happen in India it can happen in the Arab world and so hey God bless you this morning take a, some they got a table set up there take a moment to talk with them either them or their kids and uh talk with each other. It's good to have you here today. God bless you all this morning.